What is happening? That is so weird. What is happening? That is so weird. It just said Audacity would like to access the microphone. Did you say yes? I did, which is why it's recording now. Good. Great. Ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.Church forward slash south. I should mix that up again in the future, Dave. I just always know that as soon as I start talking with that little intro, you are going to smile like, <laughs> oh, there's Daniel again. What's he, what's podcast he doing? Voice. What's he going to do? Yeah, you just never know. I'm on my toes. Constantly. Uh, Dave, uh, well, let's not start with a random question. Let's start with a targeted question. This should be released on Friday, I think the 29th of January. Yep. On Sunday the 31st, something kind of big in the life of our church is happening. What's happening in the life of our church on Sunday the 31st? Besides gathering together with the blood-bought saints at South Campus to partake in hearing the word, eating and drinking the word, as it were. Singing the word. Singing the word, praying the word, speaking the word. Apart from that resurrection party, what else is happening in the life of our church? <laughs> yep, it's Easter Sunday again. Uh, we're going to do our first ever official South Campus quarterly strategy meeting Sunday night. That'll probably start about 45 minutes after the All Church quarterly strategy meeting starts at 5 p.m. So from about 5 to 7 we'll get together. But it's the first time we get to have our own self-specific one, which we're really excited about. So uh, I'm looking at the agenda right now. Um, Peter's going to lead it for us. There will be a devotional. Um, We're going to do some membership uh, things at this meeting for the South Campus. We're going to reaffirm six of our deacons, our self-specific deacons. We're going to Motion to affirm another new deacon, Matt Klugertz, who's going to be our deacon for uh, safety and security here at the South Campus. Um, There's going to be some time for Q&A. We're going to do what we've traditionally done at the All Church meeting, but we're going to read uh, the list of those that have gone to be with Jesus from the South Campus this year. So that'll be a sweet and somber moment. And then we'll, we're actually going to take some time to pray together as a congregation. So those, so those are some of the things coming up. Uh, we're excited to do it. If you're listening to this, and at least one, one person from your family get there, we, uh, we do need a quorum now. It's now 15% of the South Campus members. So there's about 400 members at the South Campus, which means we need about 60, 65 people to show up at the South Campus. But our hope is that 150 would show up and want to, yeah, 400. Yeah. I said we had 400 members, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure everyone's been putting this on their calendar, probably already already. I'm sure we'll have 400 there, but if you're on the fence, yeah, come. Child care? I don't, I don't think we have child care this time. Bring your child along and just kind of put them in the pew with headphones. and. It's a family meeting, so okay. squirmy kids are welcome. Yeah, maybe we'll put a movie up on the projector in the back room or something. You're the youth guy. Whatever you want to do. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
Okay. It's outside my jurisdiction, but I am a father of small children. Me too. Yep. So, yep. I mean, happy to make that happen. All right, random question time. Okay. All right, Dave. Yes. Have you read the Left Behind series? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Multiple <laughs> times? Uh, I've read uh, several of the books, books multiple times. I think I've only read the whole series once. Okay, okay. What's uh, the guy's name? Uh, Nick... Uh, Nikolai Carpathia. Carpathia, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nikolai oh, man, Carpathia. that guy's evil. Oh, yeah, totally. That was evil. Totally evil. I mean, he's the Antichrist in that series. So. I, yeah, that's and right. Pretty sure the Antichrist is evil. I can still... Last uh, time I checked. As soon as you said it, these scenes that I imagined in my mind came back to me of him in this boardroom with these people. They're all mesmerized except for this one guy who's not, who recognizes him as the Antichrist. I can't remember who that guy is, but... uh came back strong that memory did okay wow wow hopefully that was a, a happy memory so i think i liked them they're yeah. interesting but we have not been left behind as of yet dave not yet uh assuming that's going to be how that all goes down we are still here and talking for the second time about the end times that's why i started with left behind as a question so dave last time we were together with brian tab and um, by together i mean quote unquote together Zooming in from from downtown. Weird that we use zooming as a verb nowadays. That doesn't mean speeding around, but video conferencing. So we talked a little bit last time about why it matters that we have a doctrine of the end times, doctrine of eschatology, the doctrine of the last word, um, and looked at Old Testament, New Testament, some other things. I think it's just helpful for us as we continue in this series. It's probably going to be four or five total uh, times together that we keep talking about why it matters because it does matter. Yep. Right. So I think a lot of people are like, if this is uh, about only some future time, you know, and it doesn't have anything to do with today, then it's kind of this thing that we can take or leave. You know, we can kind of, we can talk about it when we want to, and then put it on the shelf and let's talk about the other big things. Mm -hmm. Um, but last time we talked a little bit, and maybe let's talk a little bit more about why that's not a good way to think about the doctrine of the end times. Mm-hmm. And specifically, there's like one big reason, because we don't think the end times is only out there, right? Right. When When is the end times? Thanks for that setup. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I, try to, I try to, you know, give easy softballs yeah, sometimes. That's good. The end times is now. So, I mean, when you look at... Uh, I mean, the two texts that just come to my mind right away in the New Testament every time I think about this is Hebrews 1. Right. Where it says, in these last days, God has spoken by his son, and now he's seated at the right hand of God, indicating that uh, these last days have started now with the first coming, the death, the resurrection of Christ, and even in Acts. So we just we just talked about Acts. I think, uh, yeah, Chris Bruno actually preached, was one that preached on this text about quoting Joel as they're talking about the pouring out of the Spirit in these last days, this is what will happen. And again, I think that uh, it's saying these last days now, this is happening. The last days are here. And even when you think of how Acts begins, Jesus is ascended and the disciples are sitting there waiting. And uh, and it says, hey, he's going to come back in the way that you saw him leave. And then we get to chapter 2 and it says hey the last days have started now so he's gone he's ascended the last days have started he's going to come back and so the idea being from now uh, until he comes back 
here we are in these last days. Yeah. Yeah, so between the first coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, all of that is biblically considered, however many thousands of years it is, the end times. Right. And the grand scope and scheme of God's history. Um, How does that motivate you, Dave? How does that, like, the knowledge that these are the end times, um, and we talked last time a little bit about uh, what Brian and others have termed, called, we would call the already and not yet of the kingdom. The kingdom is in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ and his spirit being among his people, indeed in his people, mm-hmm. that there's a way in which the kingdom is already here mm-hmm. and there's a way in which the kingdom is not yet here in its fullness. How does that motivate you in your Christian life? Yeah, I would say um, hope and mission. So if we just stayed in Acts, for example, just Acts chapter 1, um, we see that Christ is going to return the same way that he he left. And that means, uh, that means that Christians, the kingdom of God, wins. Uh, we... We're n- we're not watching some epic movie or reading some epic book where it's this this tug of war of good and evil, and we wonder who's going to win, who's going to come out on top. Christ is reigning. Christ will reign. Jesus will win the day, and we're in Him. We're going to reign with Him forever. So it, it just it just puts the whole thing in perspective, right? I mean, I th- I think when you when we look around at the world, that's not just this last year. I mean, life is been filled with evil and hardship generation to generation since Genesis 3. And we look around in the world, it's easy to just go, oh my goodness, what what is going on? Does anything ever go right? And yet when we, we can look out and have a future view that says Jesus is going to come back, he's going to make all things new, he's reigning, he will reign, I'm in him, I'm going to reign with him. There's a lot of hope in that. And then I think if you have that hope, if you have your eyes set on that eternal hope that is unshakable, this unshakable kingdom, then it just fuels you for mission. Uh, so that, so like what Jesus said to the uh, the apostles, and they say, "Hey, are you are you now going to establish the kingdom?" And he says, "You know, it's not it's not for you to now know the times or the seasons, um, but go and make disciples." Yeah. And, and so it fuels us for mission. So, uh, and when we know that he wins, and we know that he's coming back. It presses us in urgency to make his kingdom known, to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, because we want to bring other people with us yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, it's Mark one, fifteen. Jesus came preaching and saying, repent for the kingdom of God, repent and believe the gospel, mm-hmm. for the kingdom of God mm-hmm. is at hand, and all the rest of the gospel of Mark is indeed filling out That's right. what that good news is That's right. about Jesus so if we are living in the end times, um, when we see, especially in our modern day, yep. I think lots and lots of attempts to decode symbols and passages and current events, you know, as though uh, perhaps the end times is coming, or maybe it's more like a sudden realization, oh, this could be the end times, look at all of the... Uh, right. The stuff happening happening around us. How does just the the realization that for two thousand years Christians have been in the end times, like address that kind of popular level of like we're going to spend our time interpreting or decoding prophecies and other things like that? 
is that is that the best way uh, for Christians to to spend their time thinking about prophetic texts and other things like that? I mean, does that have a place in some sense? You know, decoding and doing something like that. How would you characterize that? Yeah, I mean, does it have a place? Maybe another way to say it would be I understand it. When things are happening that we haven't seen happen before, it, it kind of shakes us and makes us look around and go, what's going on? Um, that being said, you already you already answered the question when you said, hey, this, is, this has been 2,000 years in the last days, according to the New Testament, according to the Bible. And so though that kind of uh, maybe nervous, knee-jerk attempt to interpret the events around us and make some kind of one-to-one ratio with something in Revelation or something like that, we, we ought to at least uh, give ourselves a little pause there, especially when you you go back and every generation has done that, has looked and had someone predicting that this is the end, using some Bible verse to predict that. Yeah. And not just someone in America. I mean, this is a worldwide phenomenon. You can go back and read about all sorts of people doing this uh one and, and one of the reasons that that happens is the new testament writers as they talk about the end times and as even you go to the the old testament and look at some of the ways they talk about the end times it's not like they give us a uh, a timeline and they do make it a very urgent matter yeah. so it is urgent uh, and so we can sometimes read that and go, must be now, because this feels urgent. This is really big. And I would just say, is it the most profitable way to use it? Probably not. I, I think it, it's more uh, like the parables that Jesus tells where he just says, hey, be ready. Uh, be faithful. Be ready. I am coming back. Uh, life is a vapor. I'm going to come back someday soon. So use this life you have in anticipation of this this future reality. Uh, so... I don't think it's the I don't think it's the way the New Testament writers talk about it. I, I don't think it's that helpful, but I can understand why people get there. And I, I suppose uh, I suppose in in moderation, there's a there's a way to look out and at least go, hey, are we seeing the be- you know are we seeing the beginning of birth pains here? Are we seeing the beginning of these things? But then even if we do think we are, I, I still think the call is. Let's be ready. Let's yeah. let's be faithful. Not let's panic and make predictions and all that stuff. Yeah. So I think one way. So we we talk about this like there's decoding. Yep. Symbols, prophecies, other things like that that has yep. a place for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we talk about this embodying, like we're living in these end times, and we have been for a long time. Uh, with each generation wondering, is this it? Is this the final end, et cetera? And both have a place, but it seems like, as the New Testament authors write, they have less of a concern about clearly spelling out and decoding for people things that just create kind of an intellectual or a mental or a, hey, FYI, be aware. And they're totally interested in helping New Testament Christians live an embodied faithful life. So this is um, so Pastor John at the last pastor's conference preached a message on the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2. Mm -hmm. The title of the sermon is The Second Coming 
not before the man of lawlessness. It's an hour-long sermon. And what Pastor John does there is he he takes some time to decode, well, what is this man of lawlessness? What's going on? Mm -hmm. But then the upshot for the Thessalonians is not, well, now you know. Right. The upshot for the Thessalonians is here's this group of people that have become idle and wasting their lives, mm-hmm. we, like either because the resurrection's already happened or Jesus is soon about to come or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Paul's words, and John points this out really well, Pastor John points this out really well, Paul's words are meant to say, stop. Stop acting like everything's about to end or it just ended. Get back to working mm-hmm. and being faithful mm-hmm. in your given vocations where you're at. Yep. That seems to be universally when the New Testament talks about prophecy it doesn't ever really like, hey, here's this little nugget of truth to help you, you know, decode mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. It's always with the purpose of now you, this will help you live faithfully, presently, That's right. being ready for Jesus to return whenever. But that doesn't look like you suddenly, you know, start running to the street corner with a billboard uh, and saying the end is near. I mean, the end is near. And there right. is a place to say, like, in our regular every day. Uh, interactions with people, get get ready. Jesus is going to return, but that doesn't then pluck us out of our regular rhythms of life or take us out of um, our surrounding culture. It actually kind of embeds us further in a sense. It makes us uh, commit to our workplaces, our places where Mm -hmm. we're learning, um, our neighborhoods, and yes, the nations with this message. Yes, the end is coming. Get ready. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. It doesn't make us preoccupied and therefore distant from everything around us in this world. It actually makes us more fully engaged with the purpose yeah. of what's coming. Yeah, that's yeah. helpful. Absolutely. So I think one way, one good uh, litmus test for thinking about this, one good like kind of example to kind of draw this out a little bit in terms of how different interpretations might lead you to be more disconnected or more connected mm-hmm. um, is just the different ways that the book of Revelation gets interpreted. Now, I've I've spent a lot of time over the last decade thinking about the book of Revelation. There's really kind of three broad ways that people interpret Revelation, specifically who the message of Revelation is, is written to. What are the three? Yeah, I mean, the, the broad views would be just, hey, this was a book written for this time period, this time period being like early on, first century, church yeah uh, first generation first generation christians. christians yeah or you could go the other direction and say no this is really a a prophetic book all it's doing is talking about the future so this is really going to be relevant for the last generation of christians right. or you could read it and go no this is really a picture this is a these are revelations that are repeating themselves meant to kind of apply to all the generations of the church right so those would be the the broad brush strokes and there's obviously little uh, movements with yeah or often you know as the case like chapter two and three here's seven real churches yep in the roman province of Asia asia minor Asia einer Asia einer Asia einer asia minor um you know modern day turkey and okay that's for the first generation of christians yep but starting in chapter four or certainly by chapter six through chapter 20 like, oh, no, that's the last generation of Christians. And I think what we were talking about with Brian last time gets at kind of all of these prophetic writings. And I would say Revelation contains both 
prophecy and apocalypse. That's a, yep. a different kind of literature that we'll probably talk about in subsequent episodes. But it puts us in the space of looking at it with first century Christian eyes mm-hmm. and that being very much the gateway yep. for looking at the rest of Revelation as something for Christians to help them live faithfully. So instead of, um, you know, look at all of these symbols and things that only apply to the earliest Christians, we look at all these symbols and other things in Revelation, we realize it is shot through. I think we alluded to this last time. It's the Old Testament all over the place. And these early Christians are not reading mainly, um, you know, the the Roman Tribune or whatever, (laughs) and and looking around them. They're mainly reading their Old Testament and interpreting current events in light of that. And I think that becomes a helpful tool for how we ought to think about any of the symbols, in Revelation specifically. So definitely for the first generation of Christians, definitely for the last generation of Christians, and for every Christian at all times. Not a a book that we just kind of read 65 other books and then kind of say revelations on the shelf. We'll deal with it later. I think it's a very much a book that's meant to help us embody what it means to be a faithful Christian in every age. Yeah. Anything else you'd say about that, Dave? Yeah, just that. I mean, you're right. I think it's, it's the, it's one of my favorite books because it, it's one of those books that ties the whole thing together. You know, if you look at the symbolism throughout the Old Testament, you see the culmination of the whole thing in Christ in these pictures in Revelation 4 and 5 and 7 and 21. And uh, and then you just get to see what does it look like to be a faithful church that lives faithfully in the midst of suffering and with the knowledge of the victory of Jesus. So it's it really is... Uh, what is what's the title of Brian's book? It's the the capstone, right? Capstone, capstone, of the canon, or, the canon. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. So the next several episodes, God willing, we are hoping to address. I think the best the way that we've talked about it, Dave, is like addressing more particular questions, uh, maybe sometimes surrounding particular texts. So things like, what is the tribulation, mm-hmm. or are there ways in which the Bible talks from multiple angles about what? the tribulation period is, or, you know, we could talk about who is the man of lawlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, or I think we're going to talk about what is the mark of the beast or what was it for the, the earliest generation of Christians and how is that an interpretive lens for us to help think about what it would be maybe, you know, today or for the last generation of Christians or whenever. Any other questions that just like float to the top of your mind as a, a pastor here at South, just like, yeah, here would be another one that, that maybe we should address as we go. And we would love to hear from, before Dave answers, like we'd love to hear from yep. anybody uh, who's listening to the podcast with particular questions about end times, whether texts or topics. And maybe this will turn into a lot longer of a series <laughs> yeah. than we're anticipating. But uh, anything you'd say, Dave? Yeah, I think you said may- maybe the most important question answer first would just be what you already talked about, just apocalyptic literature. How do we? How should we read that? How does that inform how we read Revelation? Yeah, and I think stuff like the Rapture and the Millennium. How do those relate to things like the Tribulation? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, you just get lost in what does that view mean? What does that view say? 
why, where does my Bible go to talk about that? So right. we want to be we want to be generous to yeah. each other as we study. Yeah, and I think what we're going to do is not just take shots at like here's what we think, but here's all the various views. And I do think that sometimes what happens is is in a multitude of views, and especially where things are felt extremely strongly by some Christians, you just kind of tune out, and you say, "There's so many views. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. That's not the biggest deal." That doesn't mean that there are things that are more or less likely or more or less helpful right. about various views. Not to invalidate any view, but yep. just to simply say, like, what's going to help us together with what you know we just said a minute ago about you know what what does prophecy and other things about end times speak to in the New Testament? It speaks to helping us live faithfully today. Yep. Um, yep. Not just figuring out stuff about the future. Yep. Dave, looking forward to it, man. See you guys Sunday. Ooh. Quarterly strategy meeting. Be sure to register. <laughs> <laughs>